that Jesus is engaged in. It is a spiritual battle, a spiritual struggle against forces of wickedness in high places. Why? Well, the reason why is because God loves you so much. That's why. There's a battle. Satan himself wants to keep you. Satan himself wants to govern your life. Satan himself wants to rule you. But Jesus Christ has come in order to set you free. And so wonderful that song, whom the Son sets free, he shall be free indeed. So let's look at part of this battle this morning. Let's look at this first, I've got two headings for you this morning. The first one here is weeping. We read these words. Then seizing him, that is Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed. But look at what the Bible says. Peter followed Jesus at a distance. You know, we can learn so much from this man, Peter. He was somewhere in between. He did not run off like the other disciples did. You know, when when Jesus was first arrested, the Bible said that disciples all ran off. But neither did he stand shoulder to shoulder with Jesus. I'm going to die with you. I will stand with you, he said. But he didn't stand with Jesus. But instead, we read that he, he followed Jesus at a distance. He was somewhere in between. Close enough to see him, but far away enough not to get in trouble. Now, Peter here is so much like the church today. So much like us, isn't he? You see, some Christians, as soon as there's any sign of trouble, like the disciples, they're off. It was nice when Jesus had popularity. It's nice when the miracles were flowing. There was baskets of bread being being left over. The wine was flowing out of water. There was miracles. Jesus was on the top of his, uh, his game, as it were. It was nice being his disciple then. But when things got rough, when things got hard, the disciples ran away from him. So much like us, isn't it? When things are flowing, when we have the prayers being answered, when God is doing wonderful and great things in our lives. But as soon as things change, as soon as things get a little bit hard along the road, Christians tend to walk away. You know, I, I was thinking about this. It's a bit like the... Um, like having a gym membership. I remember when I was a a member of a gym years ago, we used to call those gyms spit and sawdust gyms. The reason why, because you go in there and the mirror, there's spit on the mirror and there's, um, you know, rough weights everywhere. It was a great gym. And we used to go in there and, and, and train. 
But now you have these, what you call soft gyms, you know, they give you slippers when you walk in and um, fluffy towels and, and, and dressing gowns and they look after you, you know, and you've got free water and um, free um, access to different things within the gym. But soon as something goes wrong in that gym, soon as they don't give you your, your fluffy towel, or soon as you don't have your, um, your free water, it's broken. That's it. I'm going to David Lloyd. I'm, I'm going to another gym. I'm going somewhere else because it's not what I like. The thing is, Christianity has become like that in our church today. You come into church. And you have everything laid out for you. Comfortable seats, warm building, you know, the word of God being open to you and, and worship and singing. It's all lovely and nice. But as soon as something goes wrong in your life, as soon as something is not right, God is put in the dock and he says, what are you doing? I'm not happy with how you're treating me. I'm not happy with how you're leading my life. And God is giving his P45 and said, I don't want you in my life any longer. That is what the disciples were like. It was okay following Jesus when everything was fine, but soon as he gets persecuted, soon as he gets arrested, what happens? They desert him and they run for the hills. Well, Peter didn't do that exactly himself. The others, the other ten did. But Peter instead followed at a distance. But I want to say, that too is very dangerous. To follow Jesus at a distance. I'll tell you why. We read that um, a fire was kindled. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and I sat down together. Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him, but he denied it. He said, woman, I don't know him, he said. The fire was made in the courtyard. Peter being cold goes towards the fire. Now, around the fire was seated people who mock Jesus, people who hated Jesus, people who did not follow Jesus. It wasn't his disciples around the fire. It was men and women who did not like Christ. But Peter sits down with them. The verse that comes to my mind was a psalm which says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed is the man who does not sit in the company of mockers. Where do we find Peter? He's sitting in the company of mockers. Why? Because he's walking or he's following Jesus at a distance. He's making wrong decisions. He is um, he's getting involved in wrong relationships. He's making bad choices. Why? Because he's following Jesus at a distance. 
And this is a major reason why following Jesus at a distance is so dangerous. When you do that, you get yourself tangled up in wrong, re- wrong relationships, wrong business deals, wrong company. Why? Because you are not close to him. Just like Peter. I'm reminded of a man in the Old Testament. You may not know him very well. His name was Enoch. That's what the Bible says about Enoch. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Enoch walked with God. In other words, Enoch said, I'm going to take God with me everywhere I go. I'm going to walk with him in the morning. I'm going to walk with him in the evening. I'm going to walk with him throughout the day. He's going to be on my mind constantly. I'm going to walk with God. I'm not going to walk with him until a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. No, no, no. God is going to be my companion throughout the days of my life. Enoch walked with God. And that is where we want to be. But when I look at the scriptures and I see Peter, I see a man not walking with Christ. No. I see a man following at a distance. And he finds himself seated with a company of sinners. But let's go on. Because we ain't finished with Peter yet. Peter now um, turns and, and someone asks him a question. And look what he says. A woman, young girl, asks him, are you one of his disciples? And he says, woman, I don't know him. Let that sink in your minds for a minute. Peter said, I don't know him. Peter, you walked with him for three years. Peter, you saw miracles that he did. You saw him healing the sick. You saw him open the eyes of the blind. Peter, you saw him making dead people come back to life again. Lazarus was in that tomb and you was with him when he called him out. Peter, how can you say you don't know him? Peter, you was up the mountain with him and you saw him transfigured and the glory of God shone through him. Peter, how can you say I don't know him? The answer is very simple. I've lost contact with him. I'm no longer walking with him. I don't listen to his word anymore. I don't have fellowship with him anymore. No, I've distanced myself from him. I've taken a few steps back from him. No longer am I having fellowship with him. And because he's taken a step away from Jesus, when the temptation come, came, when somebody asked him, do you know Christ? He had to turn around and say, no, I don't know him. Do you know what Jesus said? Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. 
But whoever disowned me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Whoever acknowledges me, says Jesus, I will acknowledge. But whoever disowned me, says Jesus, I will disown before my Father. Now, Peter knew this. Peter knew the word of Christ. Peter knew that Jesus said to him, today, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. He knew that Jesus said that. And because he knew that, the Bible turned around and said that he denied him three times and Jesus turned and looked at him and we read, and Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. He wept. Can you see him tonight, this morning, in the night? Big, strong fisherman. In your mind's eye, can you see him hunched over by a tree or something, weeping and crying and, and, and sobbing with groans? The Bible says he wept bitterly. Why? Because he knew that by denying Jesus, he wasn't showing that he loved him. He was more showing that he hated him. And so he wept and wept and wept. Can you see him this morning? That's a man who's repentant. That's a man who's hating his sin. That's a man who's upset with himself. That's a man repenting. Somebody says that they can't get rid of their sin. They can't get rid of addiction. I'm telling you, when you can't get rid of your sin, it's because you don't hate your sin enough. That's the reason why. You don't hate it enough. But if you hate your sin, you will come before God and you will weep over it. And you will say to God, oh God, how can I do this again and again and again? And tears may flow. Just like Peter. Peter was a man weeping, broken before God because of his sin. I pray that as we consider our walk with God, surely our hearts need to be softened by his spirit. That any sin will cause us to be concerned that we should call and cry out to God. Let's finish this sermon off by looking at the second heading this morning. We looked at weeping. I also want to look at suffering. The Bible says everyone left Jesus. Peter was the last one. He denied Jesus and Jesus looked at him and, 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 and he remembered the words of Jesus and then he runs off into the night, leaving Jesus on his own. Prior to that, Judas gave him the kiss. And after that, the ten other disciples all left him. He was on his own. What takes place next? Or read these words. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. Matthew's Gospel says this. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand 
Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. Now the spiritual sufferings of Jesus Christ was immense. That was the main suffering of Christ, what happened to him spiritually. But sometimes preachers overlook what took place and what happened to him physically. And we need to draw attention to that this morning. I want you to remember that Jesus was innocent. I want you to remember that he was sinless, perfect, spotless. He'd done no wrong. There's nothing in him that you could accuse him of. He was totally and utterly free of guilt. And this was how men treated him. In another account, we read that they took hold of his beard and pulled it from his face. We read that there was, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew's the only one who mentions that Jesus was flogged. Now, I believe that as Matthew was, was writing this account, maybe he couldn't put it into pen to paper and describe the flogging. Maybe it was just too awful for him to write. And all he wrote in his account was that Jesus was flogged. But we need to go to our historians and find out exactly what the flogging was all about. The flogging was opening the back of a man. And Jesus' back was torn to shreds, opened up. In fact, historians said some prisoners don't even make it to the cross. They die at the whipping post. So brutal was the beating, so brutal was the whipping that some men could not live after they had that. Jesus had his back opened up, flogged, whipped, All of that was happening before he entered and was nailed to that cross. Blood was shed. Pain was excruciating. God had left him on his own. And the suffering, physical suffering that Jesus went through was immense. We read these words from ISI. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. You need to be asking the question, why? Why was it the Lord's will to crush his own son? Why was it the Lord's will to cause Jesus to suffer? Why was it the Lord's will to cause him to go through this excruciating pain? Why? The word that comes to my mind is the word redeem. You know, you can still do this today if you have a valuable ring or you have a valuable piece of jewelry that belongs to you. You can take your your, your, your ring or your jewellery or your watch, you can take it to a place like cash converters or cash concept or one of these 
places and you can put your ring or your jewelry into um, those places and they will give you some money for it. Um, my older brother um, often uses those places with his mobile phone. Keeps on putting his mobile phone into these places. Every time I ring them, I get cash converters on the other side. And, um, but when he's ready, when he has got enough money, he goes back into cash converters and he buys his own phone back. He redeems it. The Bible tells me that you are created in the image of God. He made you for himself. He created you so that you can worship him. He created you so that you can live forever. He created you in his image. But you are under another authority. You're in another kingdom. You're following another master. And so the reason why God allowed Christ to be crushed, allowed his blood to be spilt, was in order to buy you back. I like what Peter said. Peter, the one who denied Jesus, the one who turned around and said, man, I don't know who you're talking about. Woman, I don't know him. No, I don't know this Jesus. This same Peter, he writes these words in his own letter. Look what he says. He says this. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. Here's that word. Redeemed. Brought back from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But you was brought back. You was redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. That's it. A lamb without blemish or defect. Here is what Peter says. You belong to God in the first place. He created you. He created you to live forever. He doesn't want you to live forever in a lost eternity. No, he wants you to live forever with him. And so Christ was crushed. Christ was bruised. Christ was suffered, had that suffering placed upon him. Why? In order to pay the price for you. Was it a high price? Yes, it was. Was you expensive to buy back? Yes, you were. It cost God his very son. Cost his blood to be shed. In order for men and women who do not want him. Men and women who reject him every single day. Men and women who despise him and turn their faces and their backs towards him. Men and women, it was because of them that the price was paid. That you will have eternal life. And as we prepare for Easter, our world, our society, try to make it so, so nice 
dress it up with sweet toys and sweet chocolates and sweet things. But I want to tell you, the Passover is not a pretty sight. It's a bloody sight. A sight of pain. A sight of tears and weeping. A sight when men abused and mock the Son of God. And the reason why all this took place was that you and I might know a Christ who will say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be for you, not against you. I will break every chain in your life. I will set you free. I will bring you safely into my presence. All these things because I went to the cross for you. Let us pray. Father, we cannot fully comprehend, nor can we fully understand exactly what Jesus Christ went through. Even physically, we cannot fully understand how the perfect Lamb of God took upon himself so much pain. And he did not retaliate. He did not fight back. But like a lamb led to the slaughter, he was silent. He did not open his mouth. Father, I pray that this morning we may stop following him at a distance. We may stop being only in acquaintance with him from time to time. We will draw near, oh God, draw near this morning and begin to walk with Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.